0: I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Now, before we start the show, just a quick reminder that this Friday, March 15th, I'll be in conversation with U.S. Congresswoman Jackie Speer. We'll be talking about her new book, Undaunted, which tells the story of her surviving the Guyana Airport firefight with Jim Jones's henchmen, which, by the way, is one of the most harrowing and tension-filled accounts of survival I've ever read. Uh, it's unbelievable. So the book is about that, but it's also about so much more. Uh, it details her life in politics and how to never give up in spite of seemingly unsurmountable odds. Trust me, it is quite a read. The event is at 7 p.m. in Oakland at the Montclair Presbyterian Church. And again, that's just a few days from now. So put it on your calendar and I hope to see you there. If you're listening to this podcast long after the event has taken place, uh, it was great to see you and I thought it went well. Alright, let's start the show. This is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. Let me show
1: you a town called forever Where it's only on lights and the debris are sights And the warm rain appears like a tangerine dream It's in a town called forever where the taxis are sweets And it's all fizzing beats And the shimmering ghosts Are the welcoming hosts Do they weave a print Cause they all expect
0: Guide you to a town You're listening to the marvelous Bill Pritchard, who is my guest today on the program. Now, Bill and I had a marathon chat uh, a couple weeks back, and I thought the best way to present it was to do it in two parts. So, this is part two of my chat with Bill Pritchard, and before I get to it, let me tell you a little bit about Bill Pritchard. Bill Pritchard's self titled debut album came out with very little fanfare back in 1987. And when you think about it, that year was a fanfarey kind of year. Listen to just some of the records that were released in 1987 The Smiths Louder Than Bombs, REM's Document, The Cure's Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me, The Replacements Pleased to Meet Me, U2's The Joshua Tree, In Kick, The Cult's Electric. I could go on. But I think you get my point. What I'm trying to say is that if an album by an unknown artist on an unknown label hit shelves in 1987, if it was going to stand a chance, it had better be good. And Bill Pritchard's album was far, far better than good. Released on the British indie label Third Man, the British-born Pritchard's debut was a smooth blend of crooning pop and effortless indie rock that fell somewhere between the jazz butcher conspiracy's distressed gentlefolk and the wild swans bringing home the ashes. Now, Pritchard's recorded start ended up mirroring an element that would define his career. That element, well, he was hard to categorize. Even on his record label, there was literally no one who sounded remotely close to Bill Pritchard. In fact, it was the exact opposite. All right, so here were some of his label mates. The Canadian industrial band Frontline Assembly, the Experimental Ambient Group Controlled Bleeding, and the ethereal new wave outfit, Heavenly Bodies. You know, looking back, Third Mind was kind of a weird label, but one thing you couldn't deny, they had range. Now, Pritchard garnered instant critical acclaim for his debut, and, capitalizing on that momentum, less than a year later, he put out the Half a Million record in 1988. Then he left Third Mind Records and signed the Belgian label, Play It Again, Sam Recordings who, coincidentally, and weirdly enough, also had industrial bands on their roster. Who'd they have? Well, groups like Meat Beat Manifesto and Front 242. It's really weird how industrial music followed the least industrial musician around, but what are you going to do? Anyway, Pritchard's split record with French singer Daniel Dark in 1989 began his considerable following in France. But his biggest commercial success came thanks to three months, three weeks, and two days. An album that charted high on the CMJ college charts and yielded a single called Tommy and Company that was all over MTV's 120 Minutes. In 1991, Pritchard's Ian Brody-produced Jolie album found him making inroads in Japan and Canada. And four years later, he formed a short-lived band called Beatitude. And then, well he kind of vanished for about 10 years. Then, in 2005, he reappeared. He put out the album By Paris, By Taxi, By Accident, and then he vanished again for another 10 years. But he came back again in 2014, and he's been releasing records regularly ever since. His new one is called Midland Lullabies, and it found Stereo Embers Magazine senior editor Dave Cantrell Swooning in the following way Engaging almost down to a molecular level He writes On Midland Lullabies Bill Pritchard has far surpassed His stated wisecrack goal Going into its recording Something about being known As a shabby-suited crooner And instead He's emerged as a rightful heir To the dented crown And lasting accolades Bestowed upon Ray Davies And Elvis Costello Circa Blood and Chocolate A career record But They kind of always are with this guy. Cantrell's right. Well, he pretty much always is. Midland Lullabies is an album of finesse and grace. It's truly stunning work. I love this record. But let's get back to all that vanishing. As we all know, that kind of thing can give an artist a certain elusive sheen, which Pritchard has. But Pritchard is far from a recluse. As he points out in our conversation, we're talking now. Point being... Typically, you can't get a recluse on the phone. Oh, and he's also on Facebook. How many recluses are on Facebook? All right, you get the idea. He's not a recluse. He's a guy who has kids. He's a husband, and he's a musician, and uh, he's busy, okay? But he's very easy to talk to, and he's a lot more accessible than you think. Bill and I really hit it off, and uh, I love talking to him. He is a great guy. So this is part two of my chat with Bill Pritchard. Enjoy it right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast.
2: I mean, I'm talking almost like um, a person that isn't me. But I would give myself um, more. I would give myself credit. I would give the younger person, the younger Bill Pritchard, credit for the fact that whatever chaos was around him, in other terms, in terms of artistic, um, in terms of what I was doing and what I wanted to do, it was very, very clear and very kind of again, an awful cliched word, but focused. I was quite. I was quite. Yeah, I was quite aware of of what I was doing. Um, and I was never in time. Not the the, 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 issue, the issue was, and it was it was interesting. This guy from, um, it was Le Monde in France, interview I did this big interview with him, and he was saying, "You, you kind of," uh, I said, "I was always out of step. I was never in step with anything that was particularly current. Um, or if I was, it was by accident, and um, it didn't really make any difference. And in fact." i i I just maintain that in life just not 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 if you're doing music, you' not know, done just just do do anything at your own at, at, an, at an own age and don't be dictated by what you suppose you know the the trend any trend or any morale that says you've got to do something or be somebody at a particular time you just everybody you know develops at their own you know they see colors in their own way and their own time and everything like that. And I I think I did that unwittingly. I was very, very clear about what I was putting, you know, what what I was creating was very much um, of a whole, irrespective. That's what I mean, irrespective of of, of outside forces in a way. I mean, probably to the detriment of, of of any um, mass commercial period. <laughs> uh, but uh, seriously, you know, I, I, I yeah, I, I, but I mean, in a way, I, I'm quite, I'm quite happy um, that that I did that. Looking back at it, uh, at the time, I'm sure, you know, <clears throat> I probably, you know, could have done with a few, you know, uh, I don't know. No, yeah, it doesn't matter. It was just, it was just what I was doing. It's what I'm still doing. I have no. Yeah, it's it's just carrying on, you know, um, and I like that um, because because the other thing is that's interesting is that um, what 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 you're doing I, I think it's very good to talk about um, to to still be developing and and changing and learning and stuff. I think that's really crucial um, in life. Otherwise, you're just walking. You know, you're a walking corpse in a way of you know work intellectual or um, yeah, intellectual sort of, of baggage that if you, so you don't you don't want to trade off, um, you know your past. But then you can analyze it like you you were talking about, like you were talking about the way we analyze music um, that we knew in our teens and how how rich it is for us. You know, it's all it's all of a whole um And looking back on it, we can analyze it, and we can um critique it in a in a completely different way to how we would have done when we were nineteen you know so yeah so i don't mind you i'd talk about Anything, um, almost, you know, in terms of what what I put out.
0: I, I think of you as a true artist because you, you kind of did your own thing and you didn't really feel any kind of pressure with what was happening around you to fall in step with that. No.
2: I always wore the same shoes. <laughs> and they invariably had <laughs> invariably had one of them had holes in them, I tell you that. I'm nothing.
0: That's the secret, yeah. is wear the same pair of shoes. I, I think of and this is what's really interesting to me is that I wonder in when you look at your output and you look at what you've done and you do you think you're you're narrowing in on what you're chasing artistically? Do you feel we can yeah. ever apprehend it? No, you can't. But I, I
2: I I was really really clear about what I wanted. I, I've been playing a lot of I've been writing a lot of songs on piano recently, or playing around with piano and that and stuff. And um. um and I knew what I wanted um, was something much more. simple um, In terms of sound, every sound had to be right. Because I always think, you know, I always, I always went with the mantra: "It's, it's what you don't put in, and all this, rather than what you do." But I don't think I, I've achieved. I ever, I always thought it was. I, if you, but bizarrely, I always thought, um, if anything, I wanted something that was just you know, pure, and so I I wanted, and there was a mate of mine called Tim um, Bradshaw, and he's a brilliant feeler of a piano, like he can, so I wrote these piano songs, and then said, look, you've never played, you've got a great touch on the piano, you've never played enough piano on, on my albums, I want you just to do so, I, you know, just do it. Just interpret these songs, you know, and just play them. And, like, really, let's let's croon it, you know. Well, not croon it, because that's, it's like Nouvelle crooning. I don't know what it is. But I just want it simple. And every sound has got to count. Every, every little musical bit has got to count. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll go and make it my mic. Who's brilliant these brilliant little guitar touches that we worked on, and we just put a few uh, drums, but the drums had to be, so everything was essential. So we, we, we almost took stuff out until it was pure, but as pure as it could be. And I'm really pleased with, with it. And in a way, yeah, you're searching for something like that, aren't you? You're searching for that, that ultimate thing. And, and I do like that. And, um, and, uh, it's also very um, good because it's dead easy to play live, you know, because it's that is what it is. You know, I can I can go into uh, next name, room next door, and play the piano. I can play the album virtually from start to finish, and uh, you know, just with a piano and voice, and that's grand. That's great. Um, and uh, so I'm really particularly I, you know, it's not that. It's not the it's the album I wanted to do at the time, you know, and um and it's and it's done and I'm 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 dead pleased with it. Um and again it has it's it's just carried on as a as a you know, like like you say, Alex, it's it is to, to, to it's it's a whole, it's it's just you follow it through my albums, it's just you're listening to a human being, you know, um, wheezing and coughing through life.
0: You <laughs> know. Are you better at distilling your artistic vision now than you were thirty years ago
2: I think i am actually i I, I think I am because i think I'd, i' i do do regard it as a, a long term craft and I think naturally you become better at what you're doing uh, some because fundamentally you're doing the same thing um you know you you, you, uh, you you are doing the same thing so yeah and the other thing is Um, it's not just the music but the words are very specific Um, like you know words I can use now I I can use now I I use better um, more um, just more uh, I can more of one word now I'm, I'm using more evocatively than I was you know 30 years ago because I'm still learning so I think that's that's the secret. Um, and you always can't, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I'm always chasing the perfect pop song. Right. You know, I, I, I am. Honestly, I really am. And every time, every bloody time you think, I've done it. I've got it. And then you realise, no, you haven't. You're nowhere near <laughs> it. You know. <laughs> you know what I mean? i like, I'll have to try again. You know
3: what
2: I mean? So that's, that's it. So, um, in my head, it's nobody else's head. It's just in my head. If I ever do in my head reach that, you know, nirvana or whatever it is, the, the you know, the the great thing, the great eye or whatever it would I'll, I'll, be terrible if I finally find it. But I, I'm 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 hoping, and I'm pretty sure that I never really in my, in in a, in more real in a more realistic way that I never really will find it. So you know, I'll keep trying.
0: No, I mean. Art is a is a game that you really can't master. Um but you get these these yeah. moments, you know. Now, I'm curious yeah. to know yeah. as you've gotten better at distilling your artistic vision into exactly what mm. it is that you want, how about you as a person, do you think that going alongside with that you've become better at being an individual in the world?
2: I think you you
0: have a more um
2: yeah, a, a clearer view um of what of what you are, um as you as you go on. With the with the with the, the life experience, you know, and all that stuff. Um and and you become more um you know, you don't I, I think it is true that you tend to see things when you're in your twenties or you know, nineteen and late like teens in black and white. Um but then I then a kind of a slowly, but surely a kind of, um, you, you realize that those blacks and whites are, are kind of, um, you can, they're separated, separated into different shades of, of, of that. You know what I mean? Yeah.
3: Um,
2: and, and you then realize that those colors are actually, you know, they all make up the whole, that's the thing. It's the, the, the whole is, is the important thing. I think, um, I, I i just think that um you know i'm i'm a very i'm i'm i mean i'm to fair i'm a really happy um you know i'm i'm all right at the moment you know i'm all right but then again you and me we've been we've been working at this life thing for fifty odd years
3: yeah
2: so we should have thought of got it so by now <laughs> Because we ain't got it just by now. You know what I mean? There's slow, there are slow learners and there are slow learners. You know what I mean? So that's my thought. Um, but I think, yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. And um, and what I also realize is that, you know, everybody, they used to say, and and this, they, 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 I used to read about, oh, yeah, well, or every book that's ever been written, every song that's ever been written, all that. It's also, it's fundamentally about the the person who writes it, you know, it's a self analysis, you know, however it's veiled, it's always a self analysis or a, you know, a kind of a, you know, and, and I, I, I kind of get that in a way. So that's what I'm saying is that if you listen to anybody's body of work, I find it fascinating to listen to, to somebody's work from start to finish now because, um, it, it, it's it's so fascinating because you're, you're listening to a story of a life. It's like, you know, whatever it is, it's it's listening to a, you're listening to an autobiography in a way whether it's veiled or not. Even if it's third person, everybody, you know, they would say you're writing in third person, it's always about yourself, or you're writing, you're changing the personal pronoun, it's all about I rather than he or she. And that, it, it isn't, it isn't, it isn't as simplistic as that. But the, this album, there's a lot of references to to um, to kind of um, passing on. There's a song called "Grow," and, and yeah. um, when I was in Japan, uh, we played it live um, in in Tokyo, and Chloe, my daughter, was there, my eldest daughter, and she said, "Dad, that's all about that's about me and Alice, isn't it?" And at the time, that's my other daughter, and at the time, um, when I wrote it, I wasn't aware of it wasn't a. It wasn't a fundamentally an out, a song that was fundamentally written about them, you know. Um, like, I'll, but if you l- you listen to the lyrics, you read the lyrics. I read the lyrics and I thought, yeah, I get I get why why uh, Chloe thinks that, and I suppose maybe it is, in a way, you know. It's passing stuff on. It's looking out for the 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 next generation coming up and making sure it's okay and and all that stuff, and um, so. Um and I'm I'm really pleased with the lyrics. in fact that's the other thing. The uh, you say the distillation of, of the of the, the lyrics I'm very pleased with as 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 with the music because they're um it's uh, yeah, I'm ple overall quite pleased with it. But then again, when I've um you know, in about asked me in about six months time, i will just say no, no, no it's just, You
3: know what I mean? I
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mean
0: I mean, in six months' time, right? the chase is back on
2: again. Of course it is, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, exactly. Well, I'm already thinking ahead of the other because obviously I'm talking retrospect. You see, what's interesting is when people, they only want to talk about their latest, you know, the stuff they're doing now. Well, actually, folks, the thing is, you're doing it, what you're doing is you're, you're talking to me about something that I wrote a year and a half ago. So right. it's already in the past, or a year ago, so it's in the past tense anyway. You know, the first, the best album um, by far that, for example, Oasis ever did was the first album. But it took them, you know, nine on 10 years to write it. No wonder it's so good. Um, because they were, you know, they had that time. Right. So I'm not knocking the, you know, I'm not knocking away. I'm just taking as an example. And it's a classic. You know, it's the second album syndrome and all this stuff. But what I'm saying to you is that everything you're talking about, if you were talking to me about about something I'm actually writing, doing now, it, it would actually, we're actually, you, you always talk about things retrospectively, basically, don't you, in interviews or, or in sure. conversations? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah. and, and also, the other thing about it is, is that you can't, like, that. the album I've done now doesn't come from nowhere. It comes from the, um, the general development, the gradual development of everything else. So, um, if you, if, that, I, I did an album called Half a Million, which was um, years ago in 1988 or something. Sure. And um, right, so the, in a way, this album harks back to that. In that, it's very. It, it, it. I wanted it very low, not low. I would the word lo-fi, but very, very sort of each thing. It's same, following the same pattern in terms of each sound being, you know, being a specific thing, only in, uh, probably in 80, 1987, it was done for, uh, not just for that, it was done for financial reasons, because, you know,
1: we only had
2: uh, a couple of guitars and a, and a piano or whatever. Um, but I didn't want it. I liked that, that really kind of organic sort of sound. It's, it's, it's like the early, like the, like my, my favorite. Um my favorite uh, music in terms of listening to stuff is 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 a lot of it is 50s rock and roll as well. Like I love all that stuff. Bo Diddley and if you listen to it I mean even, even I mean you know Buddy Holly you listen to to the way that's produced it's really fascinating because it's it's so simple in terms of simple sorry it's so uh, there's so few sounds it's not it's not um dense but everything comes out at you. I mean, it's Norman Petty was a great producer, and he could hear what was what was good and what wasn't good, you know. Um, and uh, so, so not that I'm comparing, but what I mean is that attitude you don't get because what happened in the '80s, it just people went mad because there was so much technology. It was like, well, wow, we've got it, we've got it. We feel the people felt obliged to use it. You know more is better well it isn't better and i never thought like that. i never never really thought like that it was, it's weird because i did an album called jolly which i hated for years because i i just thought it was overproduced because it took us a long time because that was the album that you know people started taking we were very precious with it because all we've got to because if we if we produce it better it'll you know you will sell more units and all this and, it, and it, I mean at, now um it's you know there's some good bits in it, don't get me wrong, and I'm not embarrassed about it and stuff but I mean that to me is a, it's in my head now it's overproduced um but at the time, that's you know the way it was um and but but to be honest with you, there are some there are some there is some stuff. That really lends itself to you know massive amounts of, of guitars and and all sorts of orchestration and all this stuff, but this album just doesn't happen to be one of them you know little and lullaby at all um so that's where I was really
0: well yeah. the the idea that, that with simplicity there's perhaps more immediacy yeah that's
2: right yeah that's absolutely right i mean i I remember talking to a person from the, the, the bloke who runs the label and uh, and he said I said look I've got this idea just one piano he goes go for it sounds yeah go for it and um I thought yeah all right I will so it um it it's it's you know fundamentally when I did the initial songwriting of it um it was very much all there in the first place and I didn't want to I didn't want to, it it was just, I just wanted it to, like, it just to distill it into its, 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 its time. It's, it's, it's like a, it's what it is. It's very, you know, it's just, it's basically a bloke who, who, who happened to spend more time playing the piano than um learning how a pre a studio works. You know what I mean? It's it's like, I'm not a studio technician, so, you know, and and, and stuff at the time. Um, it was. It was just. I was. I was re, re reacquainting myself with the piano. You know, I played a lot of piano. I've been playing a lot of piano, so, which is something that I haven't been doing. Um, re, you know, over the over the sort of last ten years, really I played more piano this last year and a half, two years now, for 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 decades, um, which is quite interesting because uh, I do I. I love the piano, but I mean, I, I mean, obviously, I can't. I, I can't read music. I can't. I have. I do struggle with. I don't know what. I, I honestly don't know what a F minor fifth or seventh <laughs> diminished is. No idea. I don't either. But, <laughs> no, but I, but you see, I know somebody who does. You see, that's a secret. <laughs> yeah. The that, well, Tim, Tim can do all that because he went to music school and all that stuff, you know. But he's got a great feel. It doesn't matter about that, I don't know, I don't know, I, I'm sure it does, I'm sure it does, but I'm, I've, I've managed to kind of, I've managed to stagger my way through uh, musical life without the, uh, that knowledge.
0: Play music. My my uh, oldest daughter Chloe, she's um, she's great because she's like she,
2: she just doesn't. I mean, at one w- at one point she was listening to Americana, country, and western, but like the really, she's very left wing. But she was li- listening to this kind of stuff that was just unbelievable and and really over the top eighties power ballads. But I think you know, like you always listen to, to the music your parents hate. So I think she went that way I don't think she was doing that I just genuinely think she's just a bizarre taste in, in music like at the moment she loves it because she's in Japan um, working in Japan and they, they're really big on karaoke so her favourite thing is she loves the karaoke getting up with the Japanese and that and she, she loves singing um, uh, Angels by Robbie Williams cause, <laughs> cause Robbie Williams is our local celeb you know like he's where we live we live in stoke newcastle stokes area so he just came from down the road and and she was born in the same hospital and all this stuff and so but she loves it but she loves the schmaltz you know it's like she loves all that stuff um alice is is really good again she's just picked it up and she um the piano and guitar and she's written some songs and she's fantastic talented girl. At the moment, she's doing politics at university. She, she's really getting into that um, stuff. But she one of the nicest things that ever happened to me was two really nice things about my daughters. One was um, I played a, um, I played an outdoor gig in, in Normandy, and um, Alice played piano with me oh. with the rest of the band. I had a French But Yeah, it was lovely. and She was 16 or something, 17. I oh, got a picture on the fridge. That I proudly got it was lovely she played um, the lie that tells the truth um this song that is off, um, um jolly I think it is and then the other thing is that uh Chloe, this is a big moment for me and, uh, I played when I played in Tokyo she came with her San francisco mate. <laughs>
3: uh,
2: what's what she called her something she's a, a very a very interesting one she explained to me all about all about your american um, political system and how the, how, because it was in the time when you had these elections. Um, they were like in November, beginning of November. Oh, yeah, that's so right. They were really important. The elections weren't made for you because you've got two houses, haven't you? See, yeah. Again, I didn't, I, I the, the, the actual technicalities of American politics, um, I didn't know um, to that extent, you know, like I know European politics, so I did a degree in politics and modern languages and politics, but it was European politics. So I knew about, it. and I've always followed that sort of side of things. Anyway, Chloe introduced me, uh, at a gig in Tokyo, um, in Japanese. She'd learned Japanese over this few months. I was so proud of her. The problem was when I got on, I was so, <laughs> I
3: started
2: crying. It was blarting. It was really embarrassing. I was playing notes out of tune. I was awful. It was the worst gig I'd ever played. <laughs> if you turned up, you think, "Who is this idiot?" Absolutely, <laughs> but I was, I was just overcome. So there you go. That's the uh, the story so far of the uh, the musical connections of Chloe and Alice. But they're they're doing great. They do, you know, they're they're doing their own thing. They're very intelligent um, people, and they're you know the the grand. So uh, I think Alice. might. I mean, I. I I never never sort of push her to do one, but I think she could do. She could. Her songs are fantastic.
0: Well, I so, I interviewed uh, Kevin Haskins from Bauhaus, and he's in a band with his daughter, and I yeah. thought that's a cool thing.
2: Ah, uh, um, yeah, that's brilliant. Oh wow, that's that is so cool. Yeah,
0: I yeah, think that's yeah, I think that's kind of that's kind of a nice uh, full circle way of coming about things. Yeah. You know, you. I know that the tagline on you is that you're elusive, and I keep thinking, what do people want from Bill? Like, what more do they, want? <laughs> what more do they want from Bill? yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: I'm very elusive. Yeah, yeah. I had this great quote, and I love this quote. It's just so funny. From, um, it was either it was either Rolling Stone France or Rock and Folk France. One of my albums was the JD Salinger of pop. Yeah, I love that JD Salinger of pop. What does that even mean? It's great. I mean, he obviously I knows what he's saying because I know that. The bloke I've talked to him, he's cool, like, about who said it was funny, because I thought it was hilarious. But, like, I'm sure J.D. Salinger is quite happy and, and you know, was living his own thing. Yeah. It's it's like there's this presumption you, you have to do this or be this certain, and people aren't, are they? You know what I mean? Um, I'm not lucid. I mean, I'm talking to you. I'm, I'm hardly, um, you know.
0: I'm, You're right. I'm what I am, you know what I mean? And um, long may it continue. I heard a great quote Bill, from uh, from Billy Joel. Someone was talking about how he yeah. hasn't made he hasn't made new music in 30 years or something. And Billy Joel said, "Listen, I've put up I have albums that total 100 songs. I've given you enough." <laughs> yeah, yeah. You
2: know, I I really like that. When I see him interviewing he's very in New York, isn't he? Yeah. I like I like him. He's all right he is. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it, his music- his music um uh and and stuff is is so so ubiquitous in a way the sort of seventies stuff but it's by the by but when he's actually t- when you when he's being interviewed i like he's dead down to earth isn't he seems to me i like his attitude he's really cool
0: i do too um but
2: yeah it's funny actually when you meet these people i i remember i had a period of meeting these people who were um so called you you know you can't help but but have a bit special in younger you project what you think they should be onto you even if you don't want to but um i remember meeting um i remember meeting Serge Gainsbourg who's that French artist yeah who um did you ten on we did loads of things "Javanese," and all that it was very very famous in France and um i did a radio program with him and and i always i I'm, i I thought to myself well my, my hero, my big hero, as, as I've told you, is John Otway. You know, he, he, he's just the quintessential. He's just brilliant. Um, and there was a bloke called the Height and at College. I thought was fat, I mean, but he he didn't he's nothing to do with music or anything. I just thought he was yeah, he's a great bloke. But um, Gammelgård was very interesting because um, he, you know, I I, I I was a bit, admittedly, I was a bit um, kind of. I don't know he was a bit a bit awestruck, but he said a brilliant thing to me. He said, "Listen," he said, uh, "I was number one in, in England when you were in nappies." I thought, "What a brilliant quote that was!" Because in in sixty in sixty eight he had this thing called you Ten non plus or something. You know that song with um. Jane Birkin. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah yeah. So he was number one. So he was right. But then I thought to myself yeah I, I, do you know what thought I went through my head? I thought, my God, I was still wearing that, that he thinks I was still wearing nappies when I was four. I must have been really, a very late developer I wasn't potty trained at four know I mean? but it's funny, but I was still kind of the bit, so it's like I understand those big you know those big characters um but but like you say just just celebrate what they've done, or you know these, these these people and they they, they shouldn't have um have to do anything you know um like uh, under the milky way tonight um by uh, the church that by you know the church hadn't done uh, you know the carry on doing some great stuff but as far as i'm concerned he wrote that one song uh, a lot of stuff i don't particularly warm to the church the more kind of rockier stuff I'm not, I'm not really into it's just my personal taste but well i don't care he wrote that song that's a fantastic song i don't you know he 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 deserves he deserves kind of some kind of um, accolade for that, you know what I mean? And, and he can do what he wants, you know what I mean? So um, it's 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 a strange thing. It's a really strange thing because you've got like you know you've got the great the great again English mavericks like Marquis e. Smith and the four. I mean he's he's another interesting uh, character because he's such had such verbal dexterity that guy. I mean, I don't know if you, you like or know him. I
0: love him. He's one of, my, yeah. one of my favorites.
2: Oh, right. Well, he's just got such verbal dexterity, you know, totally wide. What a great, I mean, oh. a great set of lyrics. I mean, the guy was just, uh, 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 but he was just, it was just, it was very, very driven. Now, he's an artist. I mean, he's an artist for our time. There's no doubt about it. Right. And, um, you know, and in years to come, year, it will be the the fall, You'll be listening to The Fall. You won't be listening to Howard Jones. Although I've got nothing against Howard Jones, by the way. I don't know why I thought of Howard <laughs> Jones. Um, but you know what I mean? I've got nothing against the guy. I have met him. He's all right. But, um, but it, 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 you know, And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong because that's just my personal take on it. Well, but he, defined, he created something, you know.
0: I, I mean, I think yeah. you said Howard Jones because Howard Jones is probably the exact opposite of Marky Smith. He's the perfect opposite.
2: Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, they're polemics, aren't they?
0: Yeah. Although
2: not a a lot of people know this, but I, at one point, and this was the downside, I had the same manager as Howard Jones. Um, And that was a bizarre state of affairs. That was not for a long time. I may add Alex, not for a long time, not for very long. Nice guy, nice guy, but really hadn't got the same vision for me that I had of myself, shall we say. But um, but he was, yeah, but, but... then again, yeah, he's he's the complete Fleming. But you know who worked in America better, right? Marky Smith or Howard Jones? You know what I mean? In in terms of sales.
3: Oh, I mean, and it,
2: I, I mean, yeah. I don't. Well, I don't know, but I would have thought Marky Smith didn't.
0: You know yes, I mean? you're, you're right. It's
2: like um, <laughs> yeah, right. And I, I don't know, but I wouldn't thought so because you can sort of tell who would like that. Um, there's um, that I mean there there are there are, there are sorts of Again, it's like what you said about the Velvet Underground didn't Sell Many, but but um, sons of and daughters of Velvet Underground, musically speaking, sold a lot more. Um, you know, so I think a lot of uh, a lot of the acts, a lot of acts who were who were really amazingly groundbreaking um, in terms of doing new stuff, people picked up on bits of them that were more palatable to the to the larger public. And, you know, and used those and they, they so that, that that they were the acceptable face of left field, if you see what I mean. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. So sort of, um, you know, I mean, I, I don't quite know who John Upway's, um, <laughs> I don't know who John Upway's uh, sort of acceptable version, you know, is because it, it was just such a peculiar thing. But, um, you know, there are there are so many but, yeah, it's it's like, um, and it, and it's really strange because people kind of like name drop. Them. It's like Nick Drake as well. He was a, ca- a classic example. Those three albums are brilliant that he did. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Exquisite albums. Um, and he's, he's somebody who never in his lifetime didn't sell hardly anything. But his music is referenced and he's such an influential figure. Um, you know, and he was when he was sort of again picked up on in the eighties and nineties, um, and uh, and I'm certainly you know, I, but I, it's really weird because I was there was a there was a I remember somebody saying to me, oh, oh, you're obviously very influenced by Nick Drake, you see. This was in the eighties, and then I said, and I honestly, and it wasn't because I was being funny, but I'd never heard of him. So um, I I listened to Nick Drake. After that, you know, I thought, oh, I'll have a listen to see what he's like, and I really liked his stuff. I still didn't didn't get, I couldn't get the, um, I couldn't get the reference between me and Nick Drake, but, um, I you know, I really liked, uh, I loved those three albums. I just think they're amazing,
0: amazing well, albums. I mean, he, that, I yeah. love him too, and he actually he had a, he, I think he sold more albums after he had a song in a VW advertisement here in America. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, Pink oh, really? in there. oh, I think he, I think his sales skyrocketed somewhere around like 2003, uh, when he was in that wow. commercial. So it's one of those things where a whole legion of people picked up on him. Um, yeah. cause I, I think that the cool people kind of always knew about him. I didn't start listening to him until around when you started listening to him. I, I came really late to the party. Um, but yeah. he's one of those guys that had a huge career. I bet his estate was just like, where's all this money coming from? So around 2003. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, so Yeah. now for you, did you ever feel any moment early on? I mean, you're mentioning having the same manager as Howard Jones, that, that your career was headed in a way that you needed to sort of steady the ship, like you didn't like where that was headed. Yeah, I think you've
2: got it spot on. You know, we're looking back on it because um, the manager is a lovely uh, bloke. And I'm not saying that just because I'm being. You know, he genuinely was, um, and he still works now, and he's 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 great, and we still I, I still occasionally see him. He just thinks, you know, he he loves my music, but he he wanted to push it in in a direction, um, and he he had sort of certain things, and and it just wasn't uh, wasn't happening, and it was weird. It was a really strange thing, and I think that was a moment when. Um, it just uh, it was just around Jolly and all that. Uh, after that, and it, it was a, it was a very important thing, you know. Do you, yeah, looking back on it, I, I I didn't feel that what he he um, that he he saw me in a different way than I saw me. But we was never spoken, and it wasn't it wasn't like I was, but I wasn't sure but then obviously deep down i obviously was sure because i think whatever happens happens for a reason you know you do, you know um and and it what well, it it was it was that that was um that was a yeah i think that was a really important that was a really important not not just in terms of music i think i think growing up and and deciding what you really want my my um you know you you have a kind of um my my one of my proudest moments was the um, music was when I was at, when I was at, you know when I was with my mates and at school and we had a band and all that. I I loved vinyl and 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 really I had after I, l- I left university I sort of signed um, did a little deal with an independent label and um, and my proudest moment was was going to the rough trade um, warehouse in in uh king's cross in um like 1987 or something because i can still remember this um and my first album I'm not particularly of this. actually that is one album that i'm not completely it's it's, it's not um it's not one of the greatest works of art but anyway it's a start <laughs> you know um i got hold of this album and uh and the the bloke who who who, who ran the label And it was distributed. It was it was run through rough trade because all the stuff was run through rough trade at the time. All the a lot of the independent labels. And I just got hold of this album and I just walked around. God, I've made an album, and I still remember walking around London at the time, just walking around with this album in the mind, going, "I've made an album. This is brilliant. Look, look, there's the vinyl. You know, to myself." And it was an amazing feeling. you know, and, and you know, all the kind of anal- it's analogous to oh having a child and all this stuff. Well, you know, let me tell you, I don't know if you're a dad, but um being a being a father for me was just a, a life changing experience. It's has being a parent was fantastic it just happened to be I just really, really I was I was made for it. It was just good it was a good thing. Um but um that was a pretty special day, and and it, and it's yet to be really topped. But but still, um, like I got the vinyl um, sent to me um, from from Germany um, a couple of weeks ago, and it's still the same thing. It's still, oh my god, this is fantastic, you know. But it wasn't that. It wasn't like that. For, it wasn't like the first time, you know. It was my first time, don't Um. So so it's weird. It's weird to think it. How you, in, in my own little way, um, those steps and, and how after the third one, which was Jolly, or fourth, third or fourth all, which was Jolly, how that was a, quite a pivotal moment. It was a strange one because it was slightly, I felt that it could I could slightly lose control of this, of what I was enjoying doing. And, um, and that wasn't, it didn't feel right for me personally, although it might have been right for somebody else who wasn't me what to me. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's it's a weird one. It's just a strange, a strange thing because you do, you just, like you're saying, people just develop and they go along their ways. So long as they're true, fundamentally not true to themselves, but you know, they kind of, you've got a, a, a vague idea what, of what, uh, what is, is right and what isn't going to make you incredibly embarrassed. And I think, you know, you, you won't go far wrong. really.
0: So well, that's it. That's true, and I, it's funny you said it because I remember when my first book came out, I got a, a package yeah. sent to my house of, like, 50 copies of yeah. it. And I was like yeah. – I had this emotional dissonance because I said, oh, this is li- – I had the same feeling as you with your album. Yeah. And then I looked behind yeah. me at the street. And there was a guy walking his dog. Someone was arguing on the phone. Yeah. There was a mailman, and yeah. I thought, oh, the world has nothing to do with this box of books in my hand. Yes. Not, right? Nothing yeah yeah yeah
2: oh yeah yeah that's the thing but but there's that moment alex when it's just kind of it's so it's not something that you've kind of you know day day in day out or certainly not for me i I sort of dreamt of doing um but when it happens it's it, it is an incredible thing for it it must be amazing having, yeah, having the book actually there and, and, and having your, your box of books and everything. Incredible. Because yeah. I've never released a, a book, so I, I, I don't know how it feels, but it must be a similar feeling. Oh, it's just fantastic, Alex. I know. I'm glad you, yeah, I'm glad you can empathize.
3: Oh, yeah. It,
2: it is amazing. But, like, but uh, you're spot on. You realize, especially with hindsight, um, in, the, in, the, in the wide world, it's not that important. But, you know, for your own personal life, your own personal kind of drive and your own personal being, it is important, Alex. Don't ever belittle it. It's, it's amazing what you've you know created something there. And it's, it's a physical thing. And uh, that's, our generation is, is very much that, isn't it? It's, 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 it's a tangible... Art was more of a tangible thing. Like music was, was a very tangible thing, which it still is. Um, but in a, in a different way, and books. But you can't beat it. It Must be amazing.
0: Well, you know what it was, yeah. Bill. Is I I I got the box of books, and I st- an hour later, I still had to go to work. <laughs>
3: yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah,
0: you know? yeah, yeah. That's a shame.
2: <laughs> no, I know. Well, that's that's um, that's that's the thing. You know, it, it, and and really, uh, it it's it must be um, it must be really. Unless you can control it and have a kind of uh, yeah you you think that all the you've got this physical thing so all the all this, all the stuff around it will suddenly happen that you've had uh, you've you've thought would happen because you've read about the people who you know this has happened to and it's and it's all that and it's not true at all and that's the great thing about you but you you kind of almost never you know. I, Put this never meet you, you know, you like, don't meet your heroes because you, you know, and it's not to do with the fact that the heroes aren't cool and heroes because they are what they are because for a reason. But you don't want them to be real, you don't want them to have to go, you know, in some ways. And then you realize, oh, well, that's, that's the initial thing. And then you grow up and you realize, well, actually, that's what made them all. What they are, you know these these great writers and the pe the writers that you love and the, the artists that you love and um, the you know the the musicians and 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 the poets and all this stuff. You know, it's like like I always thought it was a, a highly interesting that Rambo was um, really popular around the seventies and, and he he kept he kept popping up. Because, because what, but at the time, he wasn't particularly sated. you know, he was, and he was, he finished when he was very young.
0: Very young. You know, I mean,
2: there is a character, there is a character who really lived his life. Um, but, but, but if you, if you, if you actually, you, you can, you can see as, you can see how somebody who has written something that is um, of its time, but not of its time, it's all elemental almost. Um, an idea of, of something um, you can understand why I say the, the beat poets appropriated the idea of Rambo because it's the everyday, and the everyday goes through right to if you I would I would argue that you know, Marty Smith, you know, um, wittingly or unwittingly, um, was was a was a great 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 grandson of, of somebody like Rambo, um, in a strange way yeah. only because. Because because he's basically using the same tools. Um, it just happens to be that the, the you know, he's using he's using um, you know the the, the idea of, of of taking snapshots. It's just that the photographs change and they're less sepia, or they, they weren't photographs at all when they you know when they were around Rambo's time. Um, but there's it's still the same thing, and um, so I think that's why some people, some artists, and, and that they kind of stand the, the, the test of time or, or like you say, they they appeal to a future generation. Um and that's I mean you, you, you take you take some I mean this is very local and and, and you know it's just something I'm thinking now. So say so you take um some Victorian and, and Georgian writers, some some work, some don't. So so say um right, Arnold Bennett was a, a Stoke local writer um, he wrote clay hanger and it's very vocal, but the way he wrote it um, um, was very of its time, and he's never ever um say now now sort of eulogized in the same way as um some other um, writers around the same time um George Bernard Shaw and people like that um because uh you can see why, but you can still appreciate, and especially because it's local to me, where I live now, you can still appreciate what he did, um, but it's very much a time a time shot of what it was. And it's, it's quite interesting when you say that you like an album that's very, uh, you like some of the music from the 80s, because it was of its time, and it hasn't, some of it hasn't traveled, you know, it hasn't kind of, it hasn't got out of the 80s. It's never, never managed to move that particular thing hasn't moved forward. That's right. Well that's happened in that happens in every single um, genre, doesn't it? Every single type of stuff.
0: And there you have it, my conversation with the not elusive at all Bill Pritchard. Uh, more information on Bill Pritchard can be found at his site, billpritchardmusic.com. And this won't surprise you at all, but I am super not elusive. Go to my website for all my non-elusive details, alexgreenonline.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, please do so, at Embers editor, Or on Instagram, EmbersPodcast should do the trick. If you want to go the old-fashioned way and email me, please do so, editor, at stereoembersmagazine.com. Maybe there's somebody you want me to get on the program Uh, or maybe there's someone you want me to get back on the program, either way, let me know, and I will do my very best, I promise. Okay? If you're on iTunes, please subscribe to the show. Give us a rating. Maybe leave a nice comment or two. You know how it works. And hey, since you're there, please subscribe to Bombshell Radio as well. We would really appreciate it. Your support means a lot to us. Okay? So don't think we aren't noticing all that support Because we are. By the way, I just realized that Bill Pritchard mentioned Under the Milky Way by the church. And guess who my guest is next week? Marty Wilson Piper of the church. Well, more accurately, formerly of the church. Anyway, he'll be my guest, so uh, come on back for that one. Uh, Oh, who am I kidding? Come back for all of them. I love having you here. Okay? All right. Let's close things off with Bill Pritchard. This is a song called Forever. Enjoy it, and I'll see you next week right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. Let me
1: show you a town called forever Where it's only neon lights and the debris sights And the warm rain appears like a tangerine dream It's in a town called forever Where the taxis are sweets and it's all fizzing beats And the shimmering ghosts are the welcoming hosts Do they weave and print? Cause they all experiment And now everything's been spent in forever History's new and society grew Hits you over the head from tradition and all Let's take a long stroll down forever With a real sense of G and a bubbling whiz An Imperial Park's always up with the lark. i wake wait by the tram with my plastic food and five my time in forever, 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 forever. I'll wait five minutes in forever, where the keyword is going. and the drinkers collapse and the singers save face i'll spend a lifetime in forever it is so intimate so indulgently you such a vision of peace without anything true explore common sense at a reasonable expense it's a